This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. You don't have to go far to find a bluegrass or old-time jam in the Appalachian Mountains. And if you haven't got a guitar or a fiddle handy, you can also you can always grab something from the kitchen. So jump in, guys, and um, do what you can. The seniors, kids, and young adults who showed up for Fadan's lesson are playing spoons of different shapes and styles. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Nearly three-quarters of a million drivers will go through the West Virginia Turnpike toll booths over the Thanksgiving holiday period. Randy Yowie has more. Wednesday and Sunday will be the busiest of the six Turnpike Holiday Travel Days. Parkways Authority Executive Director Jeff Miller says, watch for traffic flaggers at the toll booths and move to the right lanes with your $4.25 toll ready if you don't have an easy pass. Miller says if you need assistance on the Turnpike, dial star SP and a courtesy patrol member or a state police cruiser will be there within minutes. If you happen to run out of gas, we'll get you a little bit of gas to get you off an exit to get filled up or if you have a flat tire. Miller says as you exit the Turnpike toll booths, exercise patience, caution and be respectful of other drivers as they merge back into regular traffic. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. Renewables are forecast to provide a quarter of the nation's electricity next year. As Curtis Tate reports, both coal and natural gas are set to decline. Driven by growth in wind and solar, renewables will generate 24% of U.S. electricity in 2024, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Though natural gas remains the dominant fuel for electricity, it is forecast to drop to 41% from 42%. Coal is expected to decline as well, to 15% from 16%. As recently as 2021, coal generated 23% of the country's electric power. Renewables surpassed coal for the first time in 2022. The Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis predicts 2024 will be the first in a string of record-breaking years for renewable power. Renewables also include hydro, geothermal, and biomass, which uses organic matter as fuel. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Ongoing court cases involving West Virginia corrections and foster care agencies have raised concerns on retaining state agency emails as lawsuit evidence. Lawmakers are now getting responses and making sure that needed emails are not lost. Randy Yowie has our story. A federal class action lawsuit filed in 2019 regarding the state's foster care system has plaintiffs seeking sanctions. The case regards allegations of deleting emails of former state officials with the Department of Health and Human Resources. In the most recent legislative interim meetings, Delegate Amy Summers, a Republican from Taylor County and chair of the House Health and Human Resources Committee, questioned the incoming secretary of the Department of Human Services, Cynthia Persley. Summers noted that Persley said department leaders were unaware of Office of Technology policies regarding email preservation. Secretary Persley said they did not know that the Office of Technology had a policy to dump out accounts once people left. So that makes me assume that Secretary Crouch, Secretary 
Coburn and Deputy Secretary Sample's emails have all been purged. Persley said the department is working closely with the Office of Technology to establish protocols to ensure nothing like this happens again. Summers asked the chair of the House Technology and Infrastructure Committee, Daniel Linville, a Republican from Cabell County, to follow up. Now there's a second point of contention here. The state recently settled part of a class action lawsuit over conditions at the Southern Regional Jail. The $4 million settlement came after a federal magistrate said there was intentional destruction of email and documents demanded in evidence discovery. Two state corrections leaders were fired after the magistrate's ruling. Linville told his committee members he would forward a letter from the Office of Technology detailing the present process and pending improvements. He said the letter was requested and received to make sure that any time the state is experiencing litigation, we don't lose emails. The letter notes that on a daily basis, there are a half million emails received and 125,000 sent from the Office of Technology domain. Linville says the procedure to close a state employee's account requires the agency to submit a deprovision form. When a person uh, leaves state government for whatever reason, or even transfers to a different department of state government, um, that, that their email um, is, is closed after 30 days, and then there's an additional 20 days, so for a total of 50 or 55 total days, uh, wherein uh, you can recover uh, any emails that that, uh, that, that person uh, had while, while uh, being employed by state government. The letter says if litigation is anticipated by an agency, leadership or counsel can request a legal hold on specific email accounts. The letter also states that the Office of Technology, at the governor's request, is developing an updated form and process for these requests. Linville says the process update may refer to cleaning up technical information, referring to the specifics communicated to the Office of Technology as to what is to be preserved. So sometimes it's, it's all emails an individual got. Sometimes it's emails that have a particular uh, subject or, or key phrase uh, in it. Um, and, and, and then over what period, right? Is it, uh, is it all that, that are presently there and any that which may come in the future? Um, or, is it, uh, or is it just those which, um, which, which have, you know, are, are under some certain uh, date range? And, and so there are certainly um, improvements to that process. Summer says email preservation policies need to be measured as to the employee's status. Yes, you can't store everything. I mean, you have to have a way that emails are deleted. And, uh, but if you have the top-level people in an agency, I think you might want to make sure there's a different policy for retention with those individuals. Linville says there should be a comprehensive plan all across the government and its different agencies regarding email preservation. And I look to uh, uh, perhaps address this in, in legislation next year, along with the committee, um, and 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 begin j- just to even change what our default is. So, so um, you know that that 30-day policy uh, may be fine for you know a heavy equipment operator, as a, for instance with um, with with the Division of Highways, uh, but perhaps not for a director uh, level or secretary of, uh, of 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 an agency. The Office of Technology letter notes an internal default. It says once provided to an agency, production data as it emails is not retained. The letter says it is the responsibility of the agency to manage and maintain the information in line with its legal strategy. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.51.
rain today could be heavy at times with gusty wind, freezing rain possible in the eastern mountains, highs today in the 40s and low 50s, breezy tonight with a chance of rain, lows in the 30s and low 40s, and rain tomorrow with highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Dutch Miller Subaru in Charleston. Dutch Miller Automotive is proud to be dedicated to multiple community service initiatives and local charities. More about our team and the Subaru Love Promise at DutchMillerSubaru.com. You don't have to go far to find bluegrass or old-time jam in the Appalachian Mountains. But even if you don't play a guitar or the fiddle, you can still get in on the music. Folkways reporter Lauren Griffin brings us this story about how playing along might be as easy as grabbing something out of your kitchen. In a classroom in Fairmont, West Virginia, a diverse group of students has gathered to learn how to play an unlikely instrument, the spoons. Looking relaxed in a Hawaiian shirt, at the center of the circle is their teacher, Jeff Fidan. So jump in, guys, and um, do what you can. The seniors, kids, and young adults who showed up for Fidan's lesson are playing spoons of different shapes and styles. Their practice is accompanied by a dulcimer version of Golden Slippers. Oh, I'm Jeff Fidan. I have been teaching probably 10 or more years. I find value in it. Fidan recently retired and now has more time to dedicate to music. He's primarily a drummer, but he also plays the dulcimer. Occasionally, he brings out his spoons. Using spoons as an instrument, as an alternative for me when I don't know the song. I can contribute to the jam with my spoons. It was just a matter of trying to figure out how to integrate the sound that spoons produce with the rhythm of the song. Throughout Appalachia, old-time and bluegrass jams are a beloved pastime. For those who want to join, the spoons are an accessible way to dip your toe in. When Fidan moved to West Virginia decades ago, he started attending music festivals. As a percussionist, he was intrigued when he came across the spoons at a festival once. Not everybody can afford uh, an instrument like a guitar, which is several hundred dollars, and people may not be interested in those instruments or don't have time. But if they are inspired by the sound of spoons for just a few bucks, you can get something that you can use to participate in a jam session. Spoons have been played for centuries in Europe, Asia, and the Americas. In ancient history, people used bones to play. You can still find bones players today, but more often people use a wooden set. The spoons became popular in American folk music, particularly in African-American jug bands. You might find the spoons accompanied by a washboard or jug, simple household items that can easily be picked up to carry a tune. And another general principle is, is that there's room for only one spoons player in any given band. <laughs> Fidan is teaching this free spoons workshop at Patty Fest. It's a yearly festival held in honor of Patty Lumen. Lumen was a mountain dulcimer player who taught Fidan, along with many others. Today, there was nine or ten people in here. The numbers have been rising the past few years, and people have all of a sudden become interested in spoons. So it, so it just drives me on. Aspiring spoons players have a couple different options. You could play with metal spoons, or you could opt for a pair of carved wooden ones. I have in my lap here several spoons uh, of different types. This one was made by Bob Snyder, uh, who's at the festival. 
Like their players, each set of spoons has its own personality. Bob Snyder makes his spoons from sassafras, walnut, oak, and other hardwoods. Even the two of them at the same woods are going to sound different because the grain in them and stuff is fine. I like the ones that look better. I like the walnuts. Everybody's different. Snyder is an old-time musician from Clarksburg, West Virginia. He's also a woodworker. After seeing spoons around at festivals, he tried making them himself. His design is his own. Yeah, so I, I have a block, a square block. After I've cut the outside and done some like rough sanding, then I separate the two halves. Wooden spoons mimic the shape of kitchen spoons. Cups of different sizes are carved out of the wood. The two halves can then be glued together, creating one singular instrument rather than two metal spoons that have to be held together in a particular way. But, you know, I mean, I want them to last for people and be comfortable. If it's not comfortable, they're not going to play it. Wooden spoons might be more comfortable, but some players still prefer metal spoons. Emily Kaneski in Wheeling, West Virginia, is one. I've grown up in a bluegrass family or old-time family. I never really picked up on any kind of instrument um, growing up. So I was thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I have rhythm. That's I do have that. I thought it would be interesting to type into the Google window how to play the spoons. <laughs> Kaneski's twin brother played in an old-time bluegrass group, the Marsh Wheeling String Band. After teaching herself how to play, she joined the band on stage at Ogilvy Fest. It was always kind of a joke at first, and people just thought it was funny. And I thought that was funny, too, but after a while, I started to, I wanted it to be a more of a serious thing. Playing the spoons involves kind of beating yourself up. Your body is part of the instrument. I've taken my jeans off, and my whole entire thigh is covered in bruises from just hitting it. <laughs> and I don't think that's supposed to happen again. I was probably just a little overly excited and hitting my thigh harder than I should have, most likely trying to make it louder. Kineski has honed her skills and can turn a clamor into a tune. She explains that playing the spoons is not just about the sound you make, but also about the performance. When she gets on stage, she becomes the star of the show. The drag is usually the big one of the night. <laughs> it's the big applause getter. A drag is a technique where you sweep the spoons across your fingers. Done not just the hand and the knee, but the elbow and the knee. It doesn't sound any different, but it just looks different. And people got really crazy when I did that last time. Kaneski has delighted listeners with her spoons at open mic nights, on stage at festivals, even at her own wedding. These days, her work as a nurse and a mother keep her busy. But she says she'll never retire from the spoons. I love it. It's so easy if you can just have rhythm, practice. It'd be a really cool instrument to play that doesn't really require, you know, formal musical training. And also it's different. It's not something that you see every day. So next time you're putting away your silverware, give it a try. Play along with the rhythm to a song, find a local bluegrass jam, or take a free workshop next year at Patty Fest. For Inside Appalachia, I'm Lauren Griffin. To hear that story again and more, listen to Inside Appalachia. Sunday mornings at 7 and Sunday evenings at 6, right here on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Owey. Caroline McGregor is our Assistant News Director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <laughs>